This is false and defamatory, the impact of defamation in weaponized social media. Trigger warning. This podcast discusses topics related to emotional abuse, gaslighting, verbal abuse, threatening language, cyberbullying, intimidation tactics, and thoughts of self-harm which may be triggering for some listeners. The content includes descriptions of manipulative behavior, psychological distress, body shaming, online harassment, and other forms of abusive behavior and emotional trauma. Please take care of yourself and consider your mental and emotional state before listening. If you need support or someone to talk to, please seek help from a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. Thank you for listening. now in September of 2021 and the judge has just ruled that the defendant does have to answer the 399 requests for admissions. She has to submit a written document stating whether or not she admits or denies to making all of the statements listed in the request for admissions. The defendant had just recently made a video called The In For Now where she says that she wasn't going to talk about this on the internet anymore. She was just going to put it on a new private account for her attorneys or whoever needed to review it and then she was going to stop talking about all of this. That is not the case. Once again, on September 23rd, the evening of the hearing where the judge ruled that she would have to answer for her 399 requests for admissions, the defendant made the following Instagram story. Thank you for buying all my fall new arrivals. Thank you for being so supportive. This time last year, I had so much anxiety. I was literally like freaking out. It's just different now. I get anxiety, but it's like totally different. And I guess because I know what I know and everybody does, but... Also, I think because you're not like constantly in fear like I was before. So I definitely still check my car. It's still scary being at my house, but I'm not like constantly being in fear, I guess. Anyways, it is very weird to have like glass windows everywhere around the house, but it's a small price to pay, I guess. So the defendant has kind of started this narrative about how she's afraid being in her house because she has so many glass windows and at night that it is so scary because she has a stalker. And she references that again here in this video. She says last year around this time, she had so much anxiety and now she has anxiety, but it's different because she knows exactly who it is, but she does still check her car and then she makes reference to how she's scared to being in her own home. Later that evening, she made another Instagram story. This time she was at her warehouse, which was and is 0.3 miles from my home. And she is there very late at night. I believe this story was recorded around midnight. Flying, I swear to God, I, do, I literally don't have no, look, I can't even show you that I don't have no clothes on, but you just need to take my word for it right now. Cause oh my God, I wouldn't be showing you my face from the single if I wasn't, but I need to turn this phone around because oh my God. Okay, see my legs? There's no clothes on them, I promise. Literally, like see, no joke. I'm sitting here, naked, eating Chipotle. And I'm not leaving because my outfits have crickets in them. So in this video, this follows the Instagram story where she just said that she was in her home and it is scary at night because of her stalkers and there's glass at the back of her home. And also she checks her car because she's scared of her stalkers. And then she goes to the warehouse late at night and films herself unclothed in her warehouse 
which is 0.3 miles from my home, which doesn't really make sense if she truly was afraid and if I truly was a stalker. The defendant also proceeded to continue to post her location. She would often tag her location in her posts or stories. So it really just doesn't fit with the narrative that she had a stalker because someone who truly would be afraid and truly who had a stalker would not be sharing their location on the internet with thousands and thousands of followers. Also, the defendant knows that her social media is being captured. So arguably, if I was a stalker, whoever is capturing that information for me would be able to tell me where she is. And then if I was truly a stalker, I could go and do harm to her. I've never stalked her, but the defendant tried to say that I did. And so her actions and her claims about being stalked really don't match up. So she would make those claims about how she was scared and then she would tag her location and film herself late at night, not far from my home. And it never really made sense to me how her followers would not pick up on that because they would still often comment in support of her. After she exhibited behavior that in no way matched up with someone who was truly a victim of stalking. The defendant then makes an Instagram post on October the 2nd and she's listing uh, top 10 things that you need need to know about her. Number nine on her post of 10 things that you need to know about her says, my house still doesn't feel like a home. I'm so proud of it and how hard it was to earn, design, build, etc. But it still just feels empty. I hate admitting that because my stalker said that on their hate diary, but I've come to terms with accepting that it does feel like that. If that's a win for someone, that's sad. So once again, she is furthering this stalker narrative and saying that this house that she worked so hard for doesn't feel like a home because of her stalkers. And if that's a win, then that's really sad. Then on October the 4th of 2021, the defendant makes a couple of posts. And around this time, Instagram and Facebook went down for a long period of time. And the defendant made a few posts talking about that. The first post is a Facebook post. And on the post, she says, I'm so thankful that we have have such a loyal following that we do not have to depend on Facebook or Instagram today. I woke up and orders were already rolling in. I know it's even harder right now because we are hundreds of orders behind in shipping, but working on it every day. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart because I never expected to have so many people find alternative ways to order today without us sending out an app notification or even an email. I didn't even send a text message out yet, so I just wanted to say thank you. This was definitely proof that I do not need social media to run my business. And then the defendant makes a live sale on the following day, October the 5th of 2021. A lot of times my Facebook video fails. So at least with Instagram, never fails, except for yesterday, which wasn't really a fail. Do you notice how everybody said Instagram was down, Facebook was down, social media was down. Honestly, I just sat there and thought, I'm so thankful we're getting orders. I, that's freaking so awesome. That also tells me I way too value social media, not like put all my eggs in their basket. Cause clearly I didn't, we had a good day yesterday, but I like must give it more credit than it deserves because we didn't have social media yesterday and we still did good. So the reason that this was captured and turned over in discovery is because one of the claims the defendant made is that H and I terrorized her and she couldn't get on the internet and it was sabotaging her business and she was losing income. However, here she admits that she doesn't need Facebook or Instagram to run her business. And so that's why this was captured and turned over in discovery. Then 
on October 12th of 2021, the defendant submits her response to H's intervention into the lawsuit. And in her response, they say, once again, the defendant pleads the affirmative defense of truth and says that any of the statements that she made were true. She also pleads the affirmative defense of opinion. This is the same set of defenses that she presented in her response to my original petition. The difference here is she also pleads the affirmative defense of unclean hands. The defense of unclean hands says that a party was engaged in inequitable behavior, including fraud, deceit, unconscionability, or bad faith related to the subject martyr of that party's claim. So in this defense of unclean hands, she is trying to say that H lied at some point or was being deceitful. And so that is why she included this defense with her response to H's plea and not mine. In this answer, the defendant's attorney has also taken a portion of the police video when the defendant had H meet her at the police station and uses it to support the defense of unclean hands. And in this, the officer asked the question, do you believe that she, Crystal, is doing these blogs? And H says, I believe that the person who is posting has too much information that she knows to not be her or someone close to her. When the defendant approached H about this false and defamatory narrative that she alone had created, the defendant told H that the FBI had already confirmed nine profiles that I had on Gomi. Additionally, the defendant admitted in the body cam footage of the police that she called to her home on Monday, November the 9th, that the defendant had lied to H and told her that she already had the confirmed IP addresses linking me to several of the profiles on Gomi. So when H was answering these questions with the police officer, that is what she had been told. She thinks that I already have the match between the IP address and Gomi. And she thinks that, and that is why she even talked to me to begin with. Crystal's probably convinced her since then there's no possible way I can have that without hmm. Crystal knowing. And I don't care. I already had her admit it in front of she wasn't under oath when she talked to you guys either, but it's on recording and that has to mean something, hmm. right? H also stated in this police video, she, Crystal, has made comments multiple hundreds, um, you just don't want to mess with me in Wise County or I'll get away with anything in Wise County. This was a joke that I would frequently make. It was it went hand in hand with me saying to people, oh, like if people say that I look familiar, I would say, oh, well, I was Miss Wise County 1994. And I've talked about this before. That's just a joke. Nobody knows what Miss Wise County is. And so it was just something that I would say, like, if necessary, I know where to bury a body in Wise County. It's just a joke. That was never a serious comment that I made, but they bring it up here as if I'm some sort of criminal. The officer also asked a question. Do you think the information you've talked to her, Crystal, about is that what's getting put on these blogs? And H says, I think that information she has received whenever she was working here and a mix of whatever she is finding on the defendant's social media and with a few people that she talks to, including me, is definitely being posted like the voting thing. And then H's mom says, like she's turning it into what she wants to say. Once again, H had been told that there were IP addresses linking me and she had also been told by the defendant that the FBI had confirmed that I was nine of these profiles. What she's referencing with the the voting thing is apparently the defendant had voted that evening. I didn't know that. But also apparently voting records are also public. And so seemingly there was a comment about how or when the defendant had voted. I never even saw that comment, nor did I even know anything about that. But apparently something was posted and the defendant used that to tell H, well, Crystal has your
your location on Find My Friends on iPhone. And the only way that someone would have known that I voted was it had to be Crystal because she must have just checked your location because H had gone with her to vote. And at that time, H had no idea that voting records were public. I had no idea that voting records were public. But apparently someone looked it up and commented about it. And then the defendant used that to say, see, it has to be Crystal. She's the one posting this. And then H says, Crystal talked a lot about her salary and how she wasn't happy with it and that it wasn't enough. Crystal was always wanting praise for the things that she did. I did talk about my salary and that it was not indicative of what I could make out in the business world. And I think the context of those discussions were when I was considering resigning because the compensation that I was receiving was not indicative of the value that I was providing to the company. And then the police officer said, do you know now that Crystal is doing those blogs? And H says, there's been situations brought to my attention as far as what time the defendant voted and stuff like that. I think whenever she was voting, I was going through the blog and I took a screenshot of something and it's something that somebody would not know unless they are on the end side. And so I can concur that it would be her. In this portion of the police video, prior to this, the defendant and H and the police officer and H's mom were going back and forth about H's use of certain words and how she doesn't always pronounce them correctly. And so whenever she is saying, I can concur, she actually chuckles and is making a little bit of a joke because she is asking, am I using this word correctly? Because it was one of the words that they were kind of poking fun that she says incorrectly. But also here, H never says, yes, I know for sure 100% that it has to be Crystal. Again, she's relying on that information about voting and other comments. I don't know what they were, but presumably could have been some of the things that were also public record, like the revenue, the property tax information that was posted. But again, I never commented on this and H had no knowledge of me commenting. So she was just answering based on speculation and that she had already been told by the defendant that the FBI had confirmed this and that they had IP addresses linking me to these accounts. H also says, Crystal's been there for however long and has obviously been watching defendants every move for however many years before that. H also admitted to deleting text messages with me. H and I did have conversations about deleting text messages. It was not uncommon for the defendant to pick up anyone's phone that might be in close proximity and use it for whatever reason. And H was afraid that the defendant would find any text messages between she and I where we were just venting about our job, which is not a crime, but that the defendant would would blow up if she saw something like that. And so we did have discussions about deleting text messages between us to protect H in the event that the defendant got a hold of her phone and started going through it because that had also happened with prior employees. This also says that H agreed with defendant that Crystal was using her and stated 100% I know that. The context of this was the defendant had created this narrative that the only reason that I befriended H and continued talking to her after I quit was so that I could get information from H to post on these blogs. And at that time, once again, the defendant had lied to H and told her that there was IP address proof connecting me to those. And so H was saying, if that's the case, if this is true and this is confirmed and Crystal needs inside information, 100% she is using me. It also says that the defendant told H to print out 20 of her 
mine crystals post that H thinks are mine and tell defendant why H thinks they are and H said okay. So they're saying that this is seemingly an admission from H that I have to be the one commenting on these blogs because she just said okay when the defendant told her go to the blog and print out the comments that you think are from Crystal. H also admitted that she didn't know defendant's side of the story when she was freaking out about the opposite until plaintiff left her job. Plaintiff is me. H admitted that she easily believed what plaintiff me what I told her about defendant until she heard defendant's side. I'm not really sure exactly what this is referring to, but her attorneys included this in part of the defense of unclean hands. H also admitted to deleting messages prior to all of this happening. H didn't want deleted Snapchat conversations where H was upset with defendant to make it look like H was the blog poster. So in addition to the defendant convincing H that the FBI had confirmed that I was all of these profiles and that she had IP addresses, she also kept saying, well, if you have an account, Crystal's going to make it look like it's you. And so here, H is afraid that any Snapchat conversations we had, and Snapchat automatically deletes messages unless you tell it to save those messages. And H was afraid that I was going to turn around and try to pin it on her because of what the defendant had told her. I had never posted on these. I had never done any of this, but H didn't know that. H and I were not in contact whenever this was happening. And so she was concerned that if there were deleted messages, then it would look like she was the one who was posting on these blogs and H hadn't done that either. H also made the statement that I just don't want to get in trouble for things I told her because I wasn't ever trying to be malicious because I would have literally cut her off. So here again, H is trying to say, I never knew that Crystal would do anything like this. And also anything I told her wasn't malicious in nature. And then she says that if she knew that I was ever doing this kind of thing, she would not have any further communication with me. She said that she would cut me off. And I believe that. But once again, I never did any of this stuff. The defendant just made it up and then told a very convincing story to H to get her to this point, to get her to meet her at the police station. And that is where all of these statements come from. This is the defendant's response to H's intervention in the lawsuit. Arguably, her attorneys would have found the most incriminating statements that H made in this police video to use in the defense. And this is all that was provided. And so often the defendant talks about how we should watch the police video and H told the police this and H told the police that. The most incriminating statements from H are in this document and none of those things are in there. And then on October 18, 2021, in the scheduling order for this lawsuit, my expert witnesses were due. And so my attorneys filed paperwork designating my expert witnesses, naming my physician's assistant and also my therapist. Then on October the 19th of 2021, we went to the defendant's attorney's office because we were supposed to be taking the defendant's deposition that day. This was the third time the defendant's deposition was scheduled. However, when we got there, the defendant's attorney had two piles of papers and disks. One pile was for my attorney. One pile was for H's attorney. And my attorney said, what is this? And the defendant's attorney said, this is discovery. And my attorney said, I'm not about to take a deposition when I show up and all of a sudden there's a bunch of discovery to go through. It would be ineffective to be able to take a deposition without reviewing whatever discovery they were providing. So we opted to leave and did not take her deposition on that day. And my attorney was a bit annoyed. 
From a professional standpoint, under no circumstances would an attorney wait to give discovery until the day a deposition was due. The defendant had an ongoing responsibility to turn over any discovery, and they waited until the day that we were supposed to take her deposition. So instead, since I already had the day off, I went with one of my attorneys back to her office, and we reviewed all of the discovery that was submitted. Among the discovery that was submitted was the original post about the denim jeans from March of 2020 that never should have been included in the lawsuit. It was just put in there by the paralegal, but it never really should have been in there. But that post was in there. Among the things that were submitted were also the emails and texts between myself and a few other parties. We've read some of those before. One was an exchange where I was trying to schedule help for a holiday market. Another one was between myself and the defendant's friend talking about how they could help with a difficult situation with the defendant's father. There were also some posts from Gomi and some posts from Reddit that were submitted. And the idea behind these Reddit posts that were submitted was to try and show that there was information about this lawsuit posted on Reddit. And the defendant would try to say that no one else could have known the details that were posted. Anytime a document was filed in my lawsuit, it was instantly made public on a website for the state of Texas that gives information about lawsuits that are filed. The first screenshot submitted from Reddit is a post about the 399 admissions. The date of these posts are on a thread that is from September 27, 2021 to October the 3rd of 2021. However, the information about the 399 admissions was made public on the state website about this case on September the 7th of 2021. So there are not comments about this until at least September 27th. And so the defendant trying to say that there were details on Reddit that only someone on the inside could know is not true. That information was made public on September the 7th. It was posted about between September 27th of 2021 and October 3rd of 2021. There was also a post submitted from Reddit about the defendant's win from whenever she won the hearing on the motion to quash her deposition. The thread date for these posts was also September 27th of 2021 through October 3rd. And that information was made public on July 21st of 2021. So again, that is not inside information. That is just public record. Another Reddit post turned over was on a thread from October 4th of 2021 to October 10th of 2021. And this comment was speculation about the defendant having to turn over her insurance documents. The person says, also, do you know whether defendant had insurance and whether they are suing the insurance and maybe this will settle before the jury? Sorry if I sound all over the place. The only time I've been sued is when I rear-ended a person's car. She wanted more money and sued me and my insurance company and my insurance fought with their lawyer. Could it be something like that with what's going on with defendant and H&C where they want more money than what defendant's insurance is offering? So this was speculation about the case. The lawsuit documents were all public record and the people on Reddit were following this case. And so this person was just providing some speculation and commentary. This is in no way inside information. It is very common in a defamation case or a personal injury case to get insurance companies involved. And the defendant had actually commented about this before. So this was just speculation and was in no way inside information. Also included in this discovery was an email from a former employee that I worked with when I worked for the defendant. This was the employee that I went to the day that I was leaving and said, I'm resigning effective immediately. And I didn't really want to tell the person anything else because I knew that she would be questioned. This person says, to whom it may concern, 
The last day Crystal worked at defendant's company, I was working in the back in receiving and she walked up to me and hugged me and told me she was leaving. Of course, I was shocked and I asked when and she said today and I asked why. Crystal told me that she worked for a narcissist before and she will not work for one ever again. I really did not understand what she was talking about and she then told me that I'm going to hear things about her and she hopes that I do not believe them. Crystal told me that that's all she was going to tell me because she didn't want me to be interrogated. I had no idea what she meant and did not ask any questions after that and that was the end of our conversation. I stayed working in the back in receiving and as I was told she packed up her stuff and walked out. I never told defendant about the day Crystal left or what was said to me until two days ago when I spoke with defendant on the phone Friday November 6, 2020. The relationship between defendant and Crystal from what I have seen working at defendant's company was a very close and friendly relationship. I felt it was more of a friendship than an employee relationship. I never felt there was any jealousy, resentment, or hatred toward defendant from what I witnessed. I was never told anything negative about defendant from Crystal from the time I worked with her at defendant's company. Again, we are talking about the evidence that the defendant submitted into discovery to support her case and support her defense of truth. This email says that I never said anything negative about the defendant. This email says that this person never witnessed any jealousy or resentment by me for the defendant. I am still not sure what this email is supposed to accomplish, but this is what was submitted by the defendant. That email was also turned over to the police, so that email was included in the police report as well. The defendant also included a couple of screenshots where there was an error on her iPhone saying that her iMessage and iCloud accounts did not match. A quick internet search tells me that that is an error if you are trying to log into multiple iCloud accounts at the same time. I'm not a technical expert, nor do I pretend to be one, but the defendant has repeatedly said that there were mysterious logged in devices in her iCloud account and there was missing text messages and that my name was saved under my husband's contact. None of those screenshots were ever produced. The only screenshots produced having to do anything with an iCloud issue just said that the iMessage and iCloud accounts did not match. There were also some GOMI posts that were screenshotted and some of them did have some financial information, but all of that was public record. There wasn't a lot of information screenshotted and sent in from GOMI from prior to the lawsuit being filed. So I'm not really sure why if the defendant's claim was that there was information on the website that only she and I had talked about, why there wouldn't have been more historical posts from GOMI. In addition to those documents, the defendant also had provided her request for disclosure. This is something that is asked for in the beginning of the lawsuit and it is a document listing out the things that we are asking for and some of it is answered by those files and some of it is answered just in the document itself. One of the things that was asked for was a list of persons with relevant knowledge of facts. The defendant listed 25 people on that list. She listed herself. She listed me. She listed H. She listed the officer with Bartonville Police Department, the female officer that she spoke with and who also conducted the interview with H. She listed the employee that sent in the email saying, saying that she never saw any resentment or bitterness from me towards the defendant. She also submitted two of my prior employees, two of my prior employees that worked at the company that I had with my ex-business partner that she sought out. And these employees also had been in her home and had done some live videos with her. She listed them 
on her list as well. She also listed several customers and people that I used to know whenever I was working with her. She also listed Steph, who you heard from in a prior episode. She also listed the plus size model that was there the day that I left and the photographer the day that I left. She also listed the other employee who she claims that H and I were trying to frame. She also lists her attorney friend went to talk to with H and has talked about how H said all of this in front of her attorney and that that conversation was recorded, but that it was mysteriously deleted. She lists that attorney. And then she lists a few of her very close friends and also lists her former operations manager that she had fired from being in the group text with other former employees where they were talking negatively about the defendant. And then she listed another one of my coworkers from when I worked for her. The defendant was asked to provide receipts or notes from any doctor if she had incurred mental anguish. And the response to that was defendant may supplement if claims for mental anguish are asserted. So basically saying there are no claims for mental anguish right now. If there are any in the future, that will be supplemented. Also submitted in this evidence was something else that had been submitted to the police. And it was the email from the defendant's friend. And also this person had modeled for the defendant who happened to work at mobile and had submitted an email saying that after assisting defendant with issues linked to her iPhone 11 Pro Max and her Apple ID and iCloud, I have recommended she restart a whole new Apple ID and iCloud due to the fact that it has been compromised. And then this person went into the defendant's false and defamatory narrative. This person never said that she found any proof of this. She just kind of recaps the defendant's story. And I have read this in a prior episode, and I will also link this in the episode notes. Also included was a character statement about H and this is written from the employee who the defendant claims that we tried to frame and she said that we tried to frame her because H had talked to the defendant about an extension cord for a Christmas village that she had in her foyer and this employee had also had that same conversation and then someone on Gomi who you have heard from had also made that observation and so the defendant said that by H asking about that cord she was trying to set up this other employee and this employee wrote a statement about H and it says, I have known H for a little over a year. I met her when I started working part-time at defendant's company. I have modeled with her and worked in the warehouse slash behind the scenes with her. H is not known for being nice. She tends to be very full of herself and seems to take pride in putting others down. Her overinflated sense of pride made many of us feel inadequate in the workplace. She routinely demonstrated a condescending and combative attitude when requesting help with a simple task or question. She belittled and made some of us feel inferior or stupid when asking for help or asking a question, even though she was one of the longest standing employees at defendant's company. H would routinely fabricate and embellish to create drama at the workplace. Then when confronted about the creation of the drama, she was quick to deny any involvement and claim that she wasn't a part of it. On several occasions, I found H stating multiple mistruths, being dishonest and even being disloyal, which to me speaks to a larger lack of integrity as a coworker and also in her role at defendant's company. H also tended to overreact when something was not done her way, but she did not always take the time to explain exactly how she would like it to be done. She would then become petty and make a big deal out of the situation, always in front of everyone. I wish there were kind things that I could say about H, but unfortunately, these are her character traits and the way that she treated me and many others. Please feel free to reach out to me if you have any other questions.
Then on October 21st of 2021, the defendant had another live sale where she once again went into her false and defamatory narrative. So my brother called and he's like, I just had this feeling I needed to call you, blah, blah, blah. That my brother told me to just go online and read whatever was bringing me anxiousness. And it took me five minutes to figure out who it was. That was a year ago today. So anyways, it was a year ago today. I would say that my world came crashing down, but honestly, in the grand scheme of things, um, in the grand scheme of things, yes, it did crash and burn. Crazy thing was, y'all see where I was? Like I was at work the other day and I was looking through these binders and it said like 2017, 18, 19, like the first quarter of 2019. And it was all my invoices were all alphabetized in an, in a binder and all my, um, like all my and purchase orders were in there and I'm looking at the stuff going see I did have my life together like I did but this is the thing I think like the message in all this is that number one I was at the top of my game I had just been on the Inc 5000 list two times in a row like two years in a row before without anybody without anybody else besides me literally uh I was on the Inc 5000 list okay that was like my dream to get on that freaking list anyways and so I think like the message in all this is I was so confident and not even like in a in a not humble way. I don't know what that word is in a not humble way. Cause y'all know I'm not like that, but also I feel like this, like I know the last year of my life has been horrible. Like I would never wish it on anybody on, in the world. Right. But also know, like, look at what I've done with my life. And you guys know the place that I'm coming from. I just think about all the things that I did when I had no clue what I was doing. So that makes me have a lot of confidence going forward because if I could achieve all that and not know what the hell I was doing, imagine what I could do knowing what I'm doing now. You know what I mean? But I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't stop like the hurt and the pain and the shock and the, I mean, it just really shows you who people are at the end of the day. Like you can bang your head as many times as you want and say you're a good person, but if you're not, you're not. And the other day, somebody, I was talking to somebody and she was like, oh yeah, my friend gets her hair done by somebody that used to work with you. And she was talking about your case in her office and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And it's just like, you could, you really like find out who people are when you go through something crazy, you know, you really do. And also what do those people think when they think whatever they think, or they say whatever they say. And then when the truth comes out, what do they say? Like, oh, my bad. Or, oh, she had like a convincing, the other person had like a convincing story. No, they didn't. So weird. But I do think I'm still grateful for everything that happened because at least it happened to me and not. It was a year ago today that I first read online what the hell was going on and figured out very quickly what was happening. And I was in for the ride of my life while my dad was dying. Oh, my God. I know it's the worst part. That's the worst part at the end of the day. But luckily I held on. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I held on and now look where we are. Everything's coming to light and turns out everybody's like, oh my God, just what you said. No, what do you think? My God, spent all this money for nothing? Heck no. Yes, I just wanna say, if you're still here and you were here last year and you have any idea of what I'm talking about right now, thank you for sticking around for so long. I appreciate that. I mean, I had gone to my employees and told them like, I feel sad and pathetic and I don't know why. And if you start feeling like that, go ask somebody that's outside of the people you're talking to. If you don't get answers, go talk to someone else.
clip, she's talking about how a year ago today is when she figured it all out. She has said before that on October 21st of 2020, that is when she went to go read Gomi. And within five seconds, she was able to figure out who it is. And we know now that what let her know who it was and how to figure it all out was because someone had used the term 11 billion. And that is also a term that I had used, a slang term that I had used. She also talks about how she went to work and saw that she had all these binders with invoices in them and she used to have her life together. She has said before that I was trying to sabotage her business. And so she was saying that she had these binders for these prior years, but they stopped when I got there. When I was working with her, yes, I saw the binders. I also let her know that we really needed to have electronic copies of everything. And so instead of using the binders, I actually had converted everything to be electronic. I had used spreadsheets. I had also created folders on our Google Drive to upload vendor invoices so that they could be accessible if something were to happen to the binders. But here she's making a dig that I was trying to sabotage her business because there weren't any binders from when the time that I was there. She also talks about how humble she is. And she talks about that while she's talking about being on the Inc. 5000 list two years in a row and how she used to be on top of her game. Something else happened in 2019. Not only did she hire me, but she was also building her home. And a lot of her attention was directed to that home and constantly going to look at fixtures and buy flooring and that sort of thing. And so her attention was somewhat redirected to building her home, which is a natural thing when you're, you have a project like that, you have to make those kinds of decisions. But she's trying to correlate the downfall of when I started working there when that's not the case. All that I did was try to help her. She talks about how the last year of her life was so horrible and that she just has dealt with hurt and pain and shock. And then she talks about her former plus size model and says that someone told her that the other day they were getting their hair done by this former plus size model and that they were talking about her case. And that plus size model is who was there the day that I resigned. And that is also the plus size model that currently does my hair. And so I'm not really sure what was said or if she was just posturing and saying that because she was no longer in contact with that former model. But that's what she's referencing here. She talks about how people are saying to her, oh my gosh, it's just what you said. It's just like what you said. And she's like, well, yeah, of course, I wouldn't be saying all of this if it wasn't true. And then she's made an interesting comment. And she said, if you get answers from somebody that you don't like, go talk to someone else. And she made that sort of in passing, but that seems to be something that she would do. So she would talk to someone. She didn't like what they had to say. And so she would go talk to someone else. She tried calling the police. They did not validate any of her claims. After the police did not validate what she had said, she sent them an email that was strongly worded saying, why aren't you doing anything? Now I'm contacting the FBI and the Texas Rangers. And so she was upset that the police weren't doing anything about her claims and threatened or seemingly did call those other law enforcement agencies. This would also become a pattern that we will uncover in the coming episodes where if someone tells her something that she doesn't like, she just goes to someone else. So I just thought that was a very interesting comment that she made because it definitely appears that that is something that she would do. On October the 22nd of 2021, the defendant made a comment on a live video. And the reason that I'm pointing it out is that just in the earlier part of this episode, she was making comments about her home and how she was scared of her stalkers and that she had so many windows in the back of her house and that it scared her. She has also claimed that there were 
or details about her home on Gomi that she had never shared. And so she made this comment in this live video on October 22nd of 2021. Like I drew this house like five years ago. Y'all remember I used to keep the blueprint in my office. So here she talks about and admits that she used to keep the blueprint in her office. She also had dedicated social media accounts to her home where the blueprints were on display. She also would create Instagram stories daily walking through the layout of her home. And one of the Gomi posts that was submitted in her discovery was talking about her home. And that post is from an account called Bits and Teeth. And it says, no dining table, but she does have a too big living room right next to an unused game room with hideous flooring and a second kitchen's quote bar area. I'm guessing the next owner can put a table in the living room or cut a door between the pantry slash laundry area area to the babe cave, which was another living room. She forked up that floor plan so bad. I would have loved to have been there for the architecture team comments after every meeting with her because I'm sure they were talking profanity about her crappy design. So this was a comment that was turned over in discovery where the defendant was trying to prove that no one would be able to make that comment if they did not know inside information or if they had not been to the defendant's home. However, the defendant just admitted that she used to have the floor plan of her home posted in her office, and she also created social media accounts for her home and listed that in addition to walking through her home daily. It was not difficult if you followed her to understand the layout of her home, but that's why she submitted that post into Discovery. Although there were some Gomi posts and Reddit posts that were submitted in Discovery, none of those were ever presented at trial because there wasn't factual evidence from those posts that supported her position that it only could have been me. The posts were either public record, insignificant, and didn't have anything to do with anything, or they were just speculation like this one. Then on October 24th of 2021, the defendant made a Facebook post where it says, I'm finally deleting pics from my old phone now that Apple gave me everything back. The defendant has said repeatedly that Apple has given her everything back. She said it on November 17th. She said it again on January the 3rd of 2021, on January the 6th of 2021, on January the 19th of 2021, and several other instances up until this point. But now, once again, she's saying that Apple gave her everything back. Once again, I'm not really sure how her followers cannot see this. She has said this over and over again, but they seemingly just still support her as if she hasn't already said this before, and they don't seem to recognize the inconsistency here. On October the 25th of 2021, the defendant changed her Instagram bio to include the words current stalking survivor. Stalking is a criminal charge, and that is one of the criminal allegations that she had against me. The police report had already been finalized and sent to her. She knew that there was no criminal activity, but it did not stop her from making claims that I was somehow committing crimes, including the stalking narrative. Also on October 25th, the defendant made a long in series of Instagram stories talking about all of this. Okay, let me tell you something. When I win this lawsuit, I just want you to know, the first thing I'm going to do is right now it already be written out i don't know it's just so shocking like people that you think oh my god it's so gross like i don't know if i'm like embarrassed pissed off frustrated sickened like people that literally okay first of all every single thing you say on the internet is definitely trackable traceable trackable all the things um 
Everything you screenshot and send to somebody else, they never cover your name up. Everything you say to somebody else, they probably recorded that conversation. It's just so gross. Like, oh. The biggest negative of all of this, I think, is the realization that you cannot be friends with everybody. There, you cannot. Like, that, it was the worst bubble to be bursted, but, and it's like the saddest thing to come out of all this, I guess, is that that's the realization. But also, it's freaking disgusting. It really is grown women acting like this like that is so gross if you want what i have go work that's what you do you work you you you're awake at 12 57 a.m on a sunday night because you still have things that you didn't do this and oh god it just literally makes me so gross and and it's like i already knew but then having the physical proof just makes you just want to oh but like here's the thing i'm trying to take this like a champ i really am and i know there's a couple individuals right now that are getting joy out of the fact that all this is grossing me out. But also, you have to be that person. And eventually, when it does all come out, you have to be that person still. So, but I just think, for all you sane folk out there, if you have some feeling in your gut, please listen to it. Because I didn't do that for years. And it totally bit me in that. If ever anything has bit me in the butt, this definitely did, for sure. But it's just like, you know, you just want to move on. Like, I want to get back to my normal, happy self. And it's hard. No, it's not hard. It's impossible when you have to read this crap. And I know me saying that out loud valid, like makes the other person like get joy out of that. And that's why she does what she does, which is so freaking gross. My God, sicko. Be clear that there is a 0% chance that I will ever give up, quit, stop in my relentless pursuit for not only the truth, but also justice. Because see, I used to only care that the truth was served and never the justice was. And now times are changing, sis. Guess what? I don't care if I have to sell my house, which I don't. If I have to drive an Uber, if I have to cock to waitress, if I have to do all these things, which I don't, I don't, I don't. But those are all things that I'm totally okay with. As long as justice is served and the truth is released, because I'll be if this happens to somebody else on my watch when I could have prevented it. So everybody going to know everything. Let me be very clear. Like, I'm not doing this for money, clearly. Hello. Like I said, to the normal people out there, I just want you to know. I was going to say sometimes <laughs> we see on the outside ain't what's happening on the inside, but y'all already know I'm freaking clear as glass. <laughs> I wish I could not be sometimes, but uh, that's just too much to keep up with. At the end of the day, I have good days, and I have days where I'm just so grossed out reading all this it's so disgusting, you freaking troll. Ugh. God. So gross. Also, do you really think it's never going to come out in public what you're doing? Really? Are you serious? First of all, you got way too many people involved. Them little chatty Cathy's. Everybody's trying to save their own ass right now. Y'all are all disgusting. Oh, God. Freaking gross. Let's go. I'm ready. Jesus done got my back anyway, so clearly. Hello. I got some Botox, though, because it's going to be a rough season. I already know. I'm like six binders in. I want to throw up. <laughs> like, here's the thing, though. You know when you hear those stories and they're like so crazy, you're like, yeah, that was just. Or when no, you know the situation when you say nobody does that. That is my life. That is my life. Where you're like, but people don't do that. No, they do. Do not believe that people don't do that. Whatever the worst is, you can think. If you think people don't do this stuff, they do. It's so gross. Oh, God, the manipulation and the people they rope in and the, oh, it's so gross. People, you just have to listen to your gut, I guess, is the only way. Because you don't know. I mean, I was freaking, actually, don't take none of that advice from me. It's clearly, I'm the worst person to take advice from in that forum, for sure. Speaking of forums, where y'all at? <laughs> you are freaking gross. I love it. 
Now, 99% of y'all sparkling little stars. But there's a couple. You know you always get the feeling you're got. No, you don't always, because clearly I was <laughs> out of session on two of them. But you do get the feeling on a lot of them. In the end of this, because you know I have to have a reason to do every single thing I do, which is super annoying, I know. But my goal in the end of this is to teach people how to get through stuff like this. But I got to get through it first. And I'll tell you, some days... <clears throat> That's pretty good, though, right? So sorry. Um, some days, I'm freaking the struggle bus captain. Like, I mean, driving the whole dang bus. So, and I mean, I'm going to get through it because we all know I am. Let's be serious. Don't get me wrong. I have my days where I'm just like, oh my God, Jesus, come pick me up. But we all know I'm a stubborn little ox and we're going to get through it and everything's going to be fine in the end. I'm just going to get a whole lot of wrinkles and need Botox way more every year, but whatever. Okay, and this Instagram rant, she is talking about how gross and disgusting this is. She talks about how now she has proof. She has claimed this over and over and over again, and nothing that proved any of her allegations was ever turned over. We just went through the discovery that was submitted to answer the request for production and request for disclosures that we sent, and there's nothing in there, nothing that supports any claim that she has ever made because she made it all up. No one is disputing that there is a thread on Gomi that people write about her and that it is negative. No one has ever disputed that, but it's not me and it's not H. So she has proof of nothing and never has and never will because these are made up lies. She also tries to use one of her common intimidation tactics where she says everything on the internet is trackable and traceable. Once again, I was never worried about that. I was never concerned that any sort of authority was going to come for me or there would ever be any evidence found because I knew that I hadn't done any of this. What bothered me, once again, was that her followers believed her, and it was doing constant harm to my reputation. She talks about how if you want what somebody has, go to work, and how she's awake at 12.57 a.m. No one sued her for money. That was not the point. She tries to say that all the time. Greedy, jealous people. Nobody did that. She was sued because she was defaming me constantly and publicly, and the lawsuit was supposed to send a message to her that if she did not stop, that I would proceed with the lawsuit. And instead of stopping, she kept going and doubled and tripled and quadrupled down. So she wants to sell this narrative that we're suing her for money. And if we want money, we should just go work for it when that is not the case at all. She goes on to talk about how gross and disgusting it is. But for the sane people out there, she wants to get back to her normal, happy self soon. And then she says, just to be clear, there's no way that she is ever going to stop in her pursuit of the truth and justice and how previously she was only concerned with the truth getting out, but now she wants to make sure that justice is served. She says the statement, everybody's going to know. She says this on more than one occasion. She wants to increase the reach of these false and defamatory statements as far as she possibly can. This shows malice and intent. She also talks about how she doesn't have to worry anything because Jesus has her back and she pans around to show that she is sitting in her very fancy house and is seemingly trying to say that we're evil and that Jesus isn't going to take care of us, but he is definitely taking care of her. Her followers do latch on to that and they do make comments about that on a regular basis about how there's a special place in hell for H&I and how God is taking care of the defendant. And so it's just another way that she weaponizes faith 
and makes that a part of her false and defamatory narrative. She also says that it's been a rough season and she's already six binders in. The date of this recording is October 25th of 2021. In her sworn deposition that was a few months later in February of 2022, she was asked, there were some posts where you had binders referencing all the documents that you have related to this case. Do you recall that? The defendant says, no. My attorney says, all right, do you have binders upon binders related to this case? And the defendant says, not related to this case. And my attorney says, what do you mean by that? And then the defendant says, not related to this case. She clearly just says in this video that she has these binders and she, this is not the only time that she makes that claim, but no binders were ever turned over. And she admitted in her sworn deposition by her own mouth that she did not have any binders related to this case. So either she did have binders and she lied about it in her sworn deposition, which is perjury, or she never had any binders and she was just lying to her followers. But either way, she lied. Then a few days after that, the defendant made some stories and posts, and there was just something very disturbing in these stories and posts. When the defendant made the Inc. 5000 list for the second year in a row, she opted to take H to the gala. And whenever they went to the gala, they took this very iconic photo. This is one of the photos that was shared in one of the earliest posts when the defendant began her campaign of lies of the defendant and H. They're on a small platform. There is confetti. It's a celebratory picture for being on this list. And it was just a very iconic photo that had been posted quite a bit. In these stories and posts, the defendant is just walking through her home and happens to pan across this very large, it looks like a very large canvas print of this photo hanging on her wall. That picture was never printed while I was there. So this gala happened in 2020. That picture was taken and it was posted on social media, but it was never printed out. So seemingly now the defendant has had this picture blown up and has it hanging in her home, which is just disturbing. So in the next few days and weeks, it came out that that was the photo that the defendant had taken with H. It had been blown up. It was hanging in her home. However, someone had actually edited H's face out of the picture and had instead replaced it with another employee that used to work for the defendant, the same employee that the defendant was speaking negatively about the first dinner that I had with her. And they had superimposed her face on H's body in this picture and had blown it up. And the defendant would show this picture quite a bit. She would constantly film with it in the background. Even recently, she has moved it in her current home to be behind a mirror where she often takes outfit selfies. And so the whole thing is just a little bit disturbing. And it was very upsetting whenever this was first noticed, because not only is the defendant publicly defaming both of us, H was very recognizable because she had been a model for the defendant. And so her face was all over the website. And so people knew that the defendant was talking about H and accusing her of all of these things. They were upset and angry and had made threats. And then people wouldn't easily know what H looked like because she had been on the website. And so this was just kind of furthering the defendant's efforts to sort of incite her followers after H and I. And it was just, I don't know how else to describe it other than the fact that it was just disturbing. The defendant had 
an attachment to H. She was very fond of her. She described her relationship in the police video as like a big sister, little sister, but she was very attached to H. This entire thing kind of started because the defendant did not want H to continue communication with me after I resigned. And because H did, she was essentially saying H wasn't loyal. And so, so when she created this false and defamatory narrative, that's why she was lying to H because she was trying to get H to think that I was this horrible person and no longer want to be friends with me. So this was another mind game that she was playing with H because she knew that this content was being captured for the legal process and knew that it would affect H. And so it was just disturbing on a lot of levels. So by this point in the timeline of this lawsuit, we are around the end of October. It has been seemingly one year since the defendant read Gomi and figured it all out because a commenter had used the slang term 11 billion. Also by this time, the defendant's deposition has now been scheduled three times and has not been taken three times. The judge has also ruled that the defendant does have to admit or deny the 399 requests for admissions. And by this time, those responses had been sent to my attorney. Also at this point, the trial is set for January. The defendant has acknowledged this. It is part of our scheduling order and it is part of public record. And as it stands at this point, we have now reviewed all of the discovery and requests for disclosures that the defendant has submitted. And we have now prepared to take her deposition in November on the next scheduled date. The defendant has been very consistent in one thing. Her mind games don't stop. Her intimidation tactics don't stop. And her defamation doesn't stop. And there is still no end in sight. Next time on False and Defamatory. This is a little bit of my karma. <laughs> if this were karma, you'd be in prison. The judge has ruled that the defendant does have to answer the 399 requests for admissions. Attorney says, tell me every fact upon which you based your denial of request for admission 41. Defendant says, well, because the statement like repeats itself, so I didn't understand it. If you can clarify. The attorney says, what didn't you understand? Defendant says, well, if you want to read the sentence out loud, it doesn't make sense. The attorney says, what part of the sentence do you not understand? Defendant says, the entire sentence. This is her statement that she made. Just in the retraction letters and requests for admission. So this did not include every single post, only the posts that were clearly defamatory. The defendant made the following allegations that I was the devil, Lucifer, or the Antichrist 18 times, blaming me for involving or framing others 19 times, that I was a serial extortionist 23 times, that I was a criminal 26 times, that I tried to sabotage her life and business 30 times, that I was hacking her devices 49 times, that I was mentally ill in some capacity 52 times, that I had stalked her 53 times, and that I had fake accounts on hate blogs 216 times. Defendants intend to serve the attached subpoena compelling production of documents or tangible evidence within the possession, custody, or control of the Gomi Media LLC. They list out 103 usernames from the Gomi website. 
I am not Jelly Halter Top, but it was yet another username that logged in, was saying some things that were unfavorable, and therefore the defendant implied that it was me because her false and defamatory narrative is that I am every person on the internet who says something negative about her or to her because no one is mean to her in real life. The day prior to the defendant's fourth scheduled deposition, my attorney called and let me know that the defendant had fired her attorney. When I know I am not wrong, and by God, did I prove it. And I knew that none of that was true because I knew that I hadn't done any of these things that she had alleged. So these intimidation tactics were not going to work on me. She is furthering this narrative that there's this confidential information being shared when likely whatever was shared is either speculation or public record or information came from the defendant's own mouth because we've also seen before that she will say something online and then say that she never said that. The False and Defamatory podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Crystal Wrighton, with music by Harry B. Ragsdale, who also serves as my audio engineer. First and foremost, I would like to thank my guests who generously shared their time and insight with us. I would also like to thank my husband, my mom, my children, my therapist, my attorneys, and trusted friends who walked with me through this process and made this podcast possible. Being able to finally speak the truth is incredibly healing, and I appreciate you listening more than I could ask accurately express. If you would like to continue receiving my latest episodes and stay up to date with my content, please subscribe to the False and Defamatory podcast on your preferred podcast platform and follow False and Defamatory on social media with the handle at False and Defamatory. Links to False and Defamatory social media as well as my blog can be found in the episode notes and on falseanddefamatory.com. Listening to the False and Defamatory podcast is free on most platforms. However, if you prefer a video podcast or would like to see the documents discussed in the podcast shown on screen, you can subscribe to my Patreon, where you will enjoy these benefits as well as early access, bonus content, and ad-free listening. The defendant spread her false and defamatory claims to hundreds of thousands of followers for more than two years. My goal is to share the truth so it can reach each person who heard her lies. By sharing this podcast, you can help me achieve that goal. Your support means everything to me and helps me reach a wider audience. So please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with those you think would benefit from it. Thank you again for sharing and for listening. All social media posts referenced in this podcast were included in the evidence in case number 096-321-678-20 in the 96th District Court of Tarrant County, Texas, where the jury unanimously ruled in my favor on August 24, 2022. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the False and Defamatory podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by the guests are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the view of the False and Defamatory podcast or Crystal Wrighton. Please do not make any attempts to reach out to the defendant or her followers. Names have been redacted to protect the privacy of the defendant and her army of followers who commented on her public posts. The unanimous jury verdict has not only provided me with justice, but also allows me to share my story. The purpose of this podcast is to share the truth and to provide educational content regarding defamation and social media. If you have any questions about this or to view the documents discussed in this episode, please visit falseanddefamatory.com.